Rebellions are built on hope. Incoming transmission. Radio Rebellion. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Radio Rebellion, a Star Wars podcast on this 4th of July weekend, long weekend. It's going to be fun. Thank you guys for joining us as always on this Saturday where we enjoy talking Star Wars and that's what we're here to do. I am your host, Alberto Calderon. You know that. I hope you're watching this. Hopefully you know who I am. If not, welcome. If it's your first time listening to us, watching us, appreciate for being here. Let's have some fun talking Star Wars. Uh, like I said, it's Saturday, 4th of July weekend, and Monday is a holiday, so three-day weekend. Uh, be safe out there. I know everything's starting to open in, to open up. Some areas are more, a little bit more restrictions or less restricted than others. Just be safe out there, as always. So we try to get back to some normalcy. I know it's still difficult for a lot of people. So just have fun this weekend and start Star Wars today. How are you guys? I'm fine. A little slow, not a lot of Star Wars news this week, but we're debuting a new a new segment today. So we're going to have a lot of fun talking. A lot of Star Wars news that we just kind of glanced over a little bit, not talked too much in the past. We're going to be doing that now. So, yeah, how are you guys doing? Are you doing fine? I can hear you. So hopefully you're doing great. It's been a fun week. Oh, the rising storm, how could I forget it's back there over my shoulder. I should have brought it up right there. There it is. The rising storm by Kevin Scott. Follow up to Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule. Continuing the story of the High Republic. Rising storm came out, came out on Tuesday. I got it, I think Thursday, because I got the Target exclusive cover. Uh, it's a different cover, has a poster on the inside, a double-sided poster. So started reading that this week. Really got into yesterday and this morning. Can't wait to keep going this evening, tomorrow, Monday. Hopefully, I'm finished with it by Monday. It's great so far. So far, it's a great continuation to the story from Light of the Jedi. Some other items, if you read Into the Dark, of course, that Drengear are here, they're involved, and a bunch of other stuff. I'm sure that if you've read the comic comics, if you've kept up with the comics, which I haven't, uh, there's a lot of things that mash up and integrate. So. So far, Kevin Scott hitting it out of the park. A lot of connections to Dooku Jedi Lost. I'm loving that. Uh, so can, I can't wait. I can't wait to keep reading that and finish it up in the next couple of couple of days. So it's going to be great talking to you guys about that in two weeks. Two weeks from today, uh, July 17th. Uh, great guests. We have Arsu Amin and Maggie Lovett, both super fans of the High Republic, super fans of Martian Row. They're going to be here. We had them before, had a lot of fun with them. So it's going to be great talking with them about the High Republic, the Rising Storm. And next week, we have another great guest, uh, Rachel from Build, uh, Build on Stardust. She's going to be here. Uh, we're going to be talking about Rebel Rising, that great prequel, a second prequel, I guess, to Rogue One following Gene Erso's story. 
We'll do a mashup of Rebel Rising and Rogue One. It's going to be great with her next week, Rachel, when she's here. But today, today we're debuting a new segment. What is it called? It's Star Wars Monthly Review. Star Wars Monthly Review. So this is going to be our new monthly segment. The first Saturday of each month, we're just going to grab the biggest Star Wars news out there that came out the month before. And then we're going to dive into them, discussing all those great Star Wars news. And that's when also we're going to be doing our deeper dives or deeper conversations into the new episodes of the Bad Batch. I mentioned last week that I wasn't going to be doing weekly reviews of the Bad Batch anymore for different reasons. You can check back from last week's episode for my reason behind it. I was trying to figure out what was going to be the best way to talk about the Bad Batch. Was it going to be every two weeks, every three weeks, after a month or so? So I decided, hey, I'm going to start this new segment talking about what happened the month prior. Let's just put the Bad Batch in there. So we're going to do that starting this week. It will be a little bit different this week because we've talked about the Batch Blast before. But we'll see. We're going to talk Sour's News, Bad Batch. And I want to hear from you guys. What do you guys think about this last episode of the Bad Batch, all the Star Wars news we're going to be talking about today? So make sure to let us know in the chat if you're here. I'm going to be checking the chat. As always, I'll check there in a few minutes to see who's there. Uh, let us know on the comments what are your thoughts on all the Star Wars news, the Bad Batch. Um, if you're listening to this later on the audio podcast, same thing. Come back to the video. Let us know in the comments. Send me a message on Twitter at Radio Rebel Pod. And like, like this video if you're watching it now. Thank you, thank you, as always. And if you're watching it later on the replay, also hit that thumbs up button and subscribe to the channel. It does help. We get a, new, a couple of new subscribers this past few weeks. So before we start going, let's check in with you guys. Who's see our friend Dale. I saw this first day. I don't know. I have Dale Erdman, our friend, he's always here. Thank you for joining us there. He's saying, have you seen Star Wars audio comics, Star Wars Rebels? Twin Sons move comparison. No, I haven't. I haven't, Dale, so let me know. I think you have something else down here. I'll check. I'll have to check it out. You say it's only two and a half minutes, so I'll have to say that. I'll have to check it out. And, of course, you're saying, hey, hello, Alberto. You don't start just with a little comment. You always say, hey. And our friend, Tony, Mr. Rez, also, hey, yo, Mr. Rez. How are you guys doing? So thank you guys for being here, and let's, let's get on it. So if you guys are ready, I know I'm ready. Let's talk Star Wars. And like I said a few minutes ago, today we're doing our first. It was a new monthly segment called Star Wars Month in Review. And today we are doing a review of the month of June. It's July 3rd, is it today? Second? I should know. I'm going to say third? Eh, maybe. Days, doesn't matter. Uh, one thing we're not covering right now, uh, later today we're going to have our first pick, I guess, our first look at Star Wars Visions, that new animated anthology with a lot of Japanese artists that's going to come out later today, I think an hour from now. So we'll be covering that in next next month, month in review, unless something to break, it just breaks everything we'll discuss it next week. And maybe we will. Uh, so yeah, it's today. Yeah, that's right, Dale. Today, it's today. And that's how you have to take it. Take each day at a time. It's no rush. Today is today. It's fourth. Come on. Oh, my goodness. I've been saying, like, for past five minutes, tomorrow is July 4th. Tomorrow is July 4th. So, yes, today is July 3rd. Thank you again, Dale, for, as always, correcting me. 
not correcting me, helping me out. They're only one of those persons out there, one of those fans that we really like. I mean, we like love everyone, but Dale is one of those that as soon as I have an idea and I'm saving it, I'm saving that idea or that thought for later, Dale just jumps in the chat and takes the steam out of my show. But we love when Dale is here. Um, all right, so let's get on our first news. So there were a couple of news items this past month in June. A lot of them, there weren't really breakout news, any breaking news out there, anything that we have to stop the show. Ah, oh, it's breaking news, stop whatever you're doing. But the past two or three weeks, a couple of news items came out that I think we should discuss a little bit. And the first one has to do with one of those TV shows I'm really, really waiting for. It's picked my interest as soon as it was announced in December in the Disney Investor Call, and it is The Acolytes by Leslie Headland. So there's a few things about the Acolyte that we're going to be talking about today. And let's start with, so do, do you need to be a Star Wars fan to write Star Wars? And this, let me start this again, because there's like three different items for the Acolyte. So first off, talking about her long history of being a Star Wars fan from watching the ori original trilogy in VHS, Reading Air to the Empire, Leslie Headland, she was talking with the AV Club about what she looked for when putting together her writing team. Writing team is a big thing out there, right? We know about the, the Canon Club in Star Wars. So the writing team, first of all, she's, and I quote, first of, all, first of all, I really wanted people that were different than me. I certainly didn't want a room full of people that were just agreeing with me vehemently. Not ideologically, but artistically, people that kind of had different writing styles or were interested in different things, all that kind of stuff. But there was a certain intention in terms of putting together a room that I felt like were people that I hadn't been in a room with before, if that makes sense. And it does make sense to me. So and there's another quote that we're gonna be talking about in a, in a minute that highlights more what I was down there in that ticker. But what Leslie Headland is saying here is, when you're writing something like Star Wars, so the way she's looking at it is people that have different versions of it or not just Star Wars of so her writing style and what she likes to do. If you just surround yourself with people that have the same mentality, the same ideas, ideologies, you're just basically writing for one group. If you bring people with, from all different aspects, different ways of life, different backgrounds that like to write. I know someone might like to write history, others a thriller, someone, someone more suspense or a love story. Have people with different backgrounds or different ways of coming into a new story. And that's how you build a good writing team, right? If you just have me, I'm a fan of Boba Fett for X, Y, and Z, and you bring someone else that lost Boba Fett for the same X, Y, and Z reasons, and then we're trying to build a story, it's not gonna be really interesting because it's we're not bouncing ideas out of each other, it's the same thing. You bring people with different ideas or different writing styles, the product that you're gonna get at the end, hopefully something more enriching. And that's what we want from this series. The Acolyte is this suspense thriller at the end of the High Republic, couple of, I don't know how long before the Phantom Menace, and we're gonna talk about how the Phantom Menace inspired her for, uh, how she grabbed inspiration from the Phantom Menace to the Acolyte. And that time period is very important. We haven't really explored it, obviously, but now with the High Republic, we're slowly inching, in, inching to it a little bit closer. 
But having this diverse background of people just writing or getting together to come up with the story, very similar, I'm guessing, to the way that the High Republic writing team was brought together. Daniel, Daniel Jose Alder, Kevin Scott, Charles Soule, um, I forget, <sighs> Claudia Gray, uh, Josina Arland, every, all of them come from different backgrounds, different views of Star Wars, different views of writing, and they're creating these great stories, this great time period that I'm loving so far. Do that for the Acolyte, come on, what else can we ask? That's just icing on the cake, as they like to say out there. It's great, and I hope that we see more of that. And then her second quote, which is the one that about two or three weeks ago got a lot of people up in arms. Oh, how can you have a writer that doesn't like Star Wars or hasn't seen the Star Wars movie write a Star Wars TV show? A lot of people com uh, compare it positively to Gilroy when he came in to rewrite a bunch of Rogue One and the way that came out and he did a great job and he said in a bunch of interviews, he doesn't care about Star Wars, that he's right behind it. He just wanted to tell a great story and that's what came out. So I'm fine with that. But of course, people like to pick and choose what they read. And there's a lot more to this quote that just her saying that one of her writers doesn't like Star Wars or didn't know about Star Wars. So she's saying, she also went on to say that one of her writers, one of the writers brought in hadn't watched a Star Wars movie, but it's important. She said, I literally had one writer that was like, I have never seen any of them. I never seen any Star Wars media. And she's texting me before we started started the room. She's like, Luke and Leia are brothers and sisters? What the? And it was so great because I really love to know from someone who is not fully immersed in this fandom. What do you think about the pitch we just made? So, so while she did her due diligence and did a lot of background work and research at the same time, she was somebody that we would kind of talk to and say, okay, so if we take all the kind of signifiers out of it, and this is Star Wars version of X, what does it mean to you? She would be able to give us some feedback. And then again, yes, yes, yes. You don't have to be a Star Wars super fan immersed in every aspect of it to be able to tell a great Star Wars story. And that's what Leslie Headland was saying with this quote. And a lot of people just took that first part when she said, oh, I have a writer that hasn't watched Star Wars. And then everybody freaked out. And huge Star Wars YouTube channels out there that what name had, of course, their clickbait titles. Oh, I'm scared for the acolyte. Oh, I don't know what's gonna go. What, what's gonna happen with this show? What do you want? Same thing. Do you want someone with the same experience as yourself writing a Star Wars show? It's just going to be bland. And reading this, and of course she goes on to say that this writer she brought in did her research, this did her due diligence, watch everything. Of Now she comes with a bit of knowledge of what works in Star Wars, what are some of the characters, but at the same time it's not as beholden to the canon, quote-unquote, not in terms of that's just going to change canon, but not beholden to a history of it is what I should say. And comes to it fresh with new ideas and no baggage. And this is what we need in Star Wars to keep it fresh. If we keep having the same voices and the same experiences, it's just going to get dull and we'll see the same stories over and over again. And thinking about this today made me think of the way 
being in this meeting now, doing the show, being on, on Star Wars Twitter, meeting a lot of people, the way we all came into Star Wars was different for everyone. I always think of the original trilogy. That's what I grew up. Oh, everyone kind of watched it the same way. Watch the OT first and the prequels, then sequels and the Clone Wars Rebels in, in between. But talking to a lot of you guys out there, that's not the case. A lot of people came into Star Wars through the Clone Wars or through Rebels. And some people, when Disney took over, that's when they started kind of watching and getting more into it. And then Rogue One, as we'll talk next week with Rachel or even the books, the expanded universe, everyone came to Star Wars from a different point of view and a different time in their life. That that's what makes that conversation so engaging because we kind of look at it different ways. If you came in with the Clone Wars as your Star Wars compared to the original trilogy for someone else, your view of the Force, for example, the view of the Jedi, the Sith, all that is going to be different. And that's what creates an engaging conversation. So you have a writer room of people that are have that same kind of mentality that they came from different versions of Star Wars or what they love in Star Wars or the way they were introduced to Star Wars. And I think, I think it's going to create a better conversation and hopefully a better show. Uh, so we'll see. Len, what do you guys think so far? Let me see what you guys are writing out there. Dale, as always, he's getting pumped for the Acolyte. Me too. And my first was Andor was my most anticipated one. And then the Kenobi series. But when the Acolyte got announced, that went up right there. Those three series right now, I'm neck to neck in what the ones I'm really excited for. But the Acolyte, I'm really excited for the Acolytes for that time period. The end of the High Republic has to do with Darksiders. And then the Phantom Menace is right there, probably because the High Republic is, what, 200 years before the events of the Phantom Menace. By the end, the High Republic is done, which we don't know how long it's going to be. Let's say it's 50 years or 100 years. I think 100 is going to be too much, but let's say 50 years and then give another 50, and then you have the Acolyte there, that's 100 years before the Phantom Menace. Then you have the Sith starting to come back into power, Palpatine, uh, Plagueis, or whatever. It's right there. So it's going to be interesting to see what this show is about. Dale is also saying, he agrees, I think it's good to have a fresh pair of eyes on writing. It's the same thing. Every Anything that you're writing or working on, if you're just spending days in, you're the only one looking at it, you need someone else to come, put some fresh eyes on it, see what you've missed and what can make it fresh. And Oti, our friend Oti, their podcast is Star Wars. You're going to be joining him tomorrow, right? I'm going on your show tomorrow. We're recording tomorrow. It's going to be fun. So Oti saying, I love that they're bringing in variety with the writers. It makes me think that she, as a showrunner, a massive Star Wars fan, wants to make sure they tell a good story first. And that's another great point out there. I forgot to mention it. Leslie Headland is a huge Star Wars fan. She, as the head, uh, the showrunner, the head writer, as soon as she knows the big overarching Star Wars minutia, I guess, that's really not the right word, but she's in, enthralling it. Then you can pick and choose writers that are just going to strengthen your team and your ideas and your whatever weaknesses you might have, you bring people that complement you. And that's what she's doing. If she has someone that has never seen Star Wars, but she has, then it's fine because they can just work together. So really interesting to what's going to happen with the Acolyte. And it looks like we won't have that much longer to wait. I think they said it starts filming early 2022. So I'm, I doubt it'll be ready for the end of 2022, probably 2023 which is fine because 2022 next year is stacked. It's stacked with Star Wars. We have the tail end of 
Book of Boba Fett, because that comes out this year in December, I believe. Then also we have Andor, which is shooting, shooting now, should premiere in 2022. We have the Kenobi series at the same boat that's shooting now with a premiere date. It hasn't been announced, but we guess it'll be next year. Most likely Mandalorian season four. Maybe if we get a season two of the Bad Batch. And then we have Rogue Squadron, which is coming out either 2022 or 2023. I'm not 100% sure, which I should, because we have a Rogue Squadron story to talk in a few minutes. But let's say 2023. There's, I think there's too much Star Wars next year to then just get a movie right there. So if 2023 is The Acolyte, another series, and then Rogue Squadron, then we're, we're good there. Whew. All right. So our second story that has to deal with the acolyte has to do with the phantom menace which we just mentioned and it is how the phantom menace inspired leslie headland to work on the acolyte she goes on to say in an interview with the rap talking about the phantom menace she says well i actually was very intrigued by by why george lucas has started us at that particular point i kind of wonder but what happened to lead up to this that's kind of where my Star Wars fan brain brain went was like, how did we get here and why are the Jedi like this? When are they are when they are in power, why are they acting this way? And how it is it that they're not having the reaction that you would think they would to Anakin's presence and what Qui-Gon Jinn is saying about how passionately he feels about training him and bringing him into the fold. It's like even the discovery of the of Darth Maul is kind of made with this like hmm, interesting kind of feeling. So I just think for me, my brain has always buzzed around that area and wonder what's going on here or what has been going on here. So we just talked about this a little bit and it's again, the way we all came into Star Wars. If you come into, came into Star Wars from the prequel trilogy, you're gonna see Star Wars a different way that I do coming from the original trilogy and especially if you come, came in through the Clone Wars. The Phantom Menace, for everything that it got when it came out in 1990 now has this sort of resurgence along with everything from the prequel trilogy not just and a lot of people loving it the there's so much great storytelling inside the phantom menace take away the, the dialogue that might be troublesome for 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 some people out there but the beginning or the reintroduction of the Sith saying that seeing the jedi council seeing all these jedi working together a master a padawan and then you bring anakin and all the baggage that was with him knowing what the original trilogy is going to be and what happens to anakin but the way that people reacted to him the way that leslie headland is saying here is why did the jedi how did the jedi get to this point that yeah the sister are back eh, all right they've been gone for a thousand years we'll deal with it oh this is the chosen one's gonna bring him balance to the force yeah he's too old who cares and if you're like me and a lot of you guys out there and you're reading the high republic and you see the difference of the jedi from the high republic the the way that they view the force the way they bended the rules a little bit compared to the jedi of the prequel trilogy they are so rigid and that's the one of the reasons why those Sidious was able to just right under their nose come in how did the jedi get to this point and if she's using this as part of her way of working for the Acolyte, which again, as we just mentioned, is a few, let's say a hundred years before the Phantom Menace, we went a little bit closer. How did the Jedi went from what we're seeing now in the High Republic to whatever is gonna happen in the Acolyte with the beginning of the Sith, 
or dark side users to the way we see the Jedi during the Phantom Menace and then the prequel trilogy. That by the end of the sequel trilogy in The Last Jedi, <coughs> excuse me, we have Luke saying to Rey, the Jedi and the hubris and Darth Sidious came in right under the nose, the Jedi need to end and all this stuff. How did it all went from the Jedi and the High Republic? The, the Force is the top thing, right? Yeah, the Jedi code tells us something, but if the Force is, put, is pointing me in a different direction, that's where I'm going to go. When the prequel trilogy is like, if you don't follow the code, get out of here, citizen. We don't need you anymore. Ah. Ah, so yes, it's going to be, it's interesting and exciting to hear that the Phantom Menace is one of the inspirations for this show. We would think for, I don't know, as always, people always talk about the real, the OT, uh, the Empire Strikes Back, the best movie ever. To go to the prequel trilogy and pick Phantom Menace, which is a movie that a lot of people had a lot of issues with throughout the years. Again, kind of brings us to this point in the Acolyte that has us really excited for what Leslie Headland and all her writing team is going to, to show us. So can't wait till 2023. So still two years, a year and a half away. But yeah, can't wait for it. So you guys excited? Yeah, you said you're excited for the Acolyte. That's going to be great. All right, so our next bit of news that was a few weeks ago was one of my favorites. Solo, we all love Solo here in Radio Rebellion. We want to see Solo 2 happen. TV show, movie, follow Han Solo or Anchui, Lando, whoever. Just give me more Solo. And who else wants to see more from that Solo universe? Amelia Clark herself, Kira. So Amelia Clark is talking about Kira. Kira had, I'll talk about it in a minute. So doing an interview with a Hollywood reporter, actress, Amelia Clark revealed that from all the characters from Solo A Star Wars Story, Kira was the one that had the most unfinished business and that she had written pages about what her life was and would be. Yes, give me more, give me more. Let's start with Amelia Clark herself, and we just love to see actors that get really engaged with their characters. It's not just a part that they play and forget about it. Again, it's a job, so I understand. Yeah, I play the character, I read the lines, and that's it. But to hear from Amelia Clark that not only she wants to see more of Kira out there, that she has written parts for her, has all these notes of what Kira's life was and could be, it's something that we want to be explored. We mentioned a few weeks ago, and we saw this if the return of Kira, spoiler alerts, sorry, spoiler alerts for War of the Bounty Hunter. We have the return of Kira, the return of Crimson Dawn. And this is in the time period after Empire Strikes Back between Empire and Return of the Jedi, when Boba Fett is trying to take Han Solo in Carbonate to Jabba the Hutt. He loses it, loses Han Solo, someone took him, who? Crimson Dawn, who's the head of Crimson Dawn at this time point? Kira. So Kira's having this resurgence now, and then to have Amelia Clark make these comments that not only is Kira a character from Solo that has a lot of unresolved business, that she has been working on it. Amelia Clark wrote a, a comic book she created once, so she has writing experience. She wrote notes, uh, has written pages of what, of what Kira's life might be at this point or at some point. 
yes, again, Solo, Kira's, she was a great character in Solo Star Wars Solo. And now for some people it was, yeah, it's a fun, I want to have, seems like a Clone Wars episode. There's a lot of deep stuff in, in Solo. And we don't get into a lot of deep dives here in Radio Rebellion. But we did a little bit talking about Solo and Kira. Kira is this character that has always, she's always served someone, right? She's playing the game, but it's not a game. She was part of the White Worms with Lady Proxima. Oh, how did you get out? I didn't. Jaden uh, Balls rescued me. And if we know he rescued her from a slaver, I think, and that she had to kill but now she has to repay Dryden basically with her life, having to be his lieutenant. And then by the time the end of Solo, again, spoiler alert, she kills Dryden. She can just leave. Like she tells Han Solo, Solo, um, this, the, I just know a little bit more than you because she knows that Darth Maul is at the other end. She can't just run away from Crimson Dawn. Then she has to keep going with that life that she might not want. But by the end, who knows? By the time we meet Kira, in, Bo in Book of Boba Fett, which is, what, 10 years after the events of Solo, she's still in control control of Crimson Dawn. Darth Maul is dead, again, spoiler alert for Rebels. Darth Maul is finally dead, and she's still in control of Crimson Dawn all these years afterwards. What happened between them? Between leaving Vandor, is it? No, Savarin. After leaving Savarin to go meet Darth Maul in Dathomir, to where we meet Darth Maul in Rebels, right? A lot of people want to know how did Darth Maul, or Maul, I should say, is by himself in Malakor, I believe. How did he get there and get stranded there? Seems, stands to reason that Kira is the one that left him there. How did that happen? Is that the nose that she has? Is it afterwards? Is it closer to the events of, of one of the bounty hunters. Will we see Kira then in Book of Boba Fett, which I hope. If we're seeing her now in Book of Boba Fett, sorry, one of the bounty hunters having to do something with Boba Fett with the hot cartel, Crimson Dawn is involved. That's what I want to see in a solo too, is that war between Crimson Dawn, Kira, Maul, again, cartel, Boba Fett, and Solo, bring all that together, and then that can kind of work itself into War of the Bounty Hunters and maybe then Book of Boba Fett. Of course we want to see that. And if Emilia Clark is interested in playing this character because she knows that there's still things are unresolved and she has written pages of what this might be, let's get it all together. We all want to see it. Give us more Kira, give us more Solo, give us more Emilia Clark. Who's gonna complain? Not me. So yeah, Emilia Clark talking a little bit of Solo. And Kira, we love to see it. We love to see when, again, that's the thing for Solo. Everyone involved in that movie wants to come back. More other people out there can say it better than I have. So you're right, Dale. Hashtag makes a lot to happen, plus Kira show, plus Maul, make Simpson Dawn happen, everything. Ah, no. <laughs> Do it. We want to see it. <sighs> All right. So. There was another news that came out about three days ago. We're not gonna touch on it because it's dumb. It has to do with my guy. My guy says ship, Boba Fett's ship. I'm not gonna say that. Complaints will be taken by Echo as a droid. Yeah, Echo didn't like being a droid in that episode of The Bad Batch. He knows how they treat droids out there. And all the droids is killed. All right, so let's keep going. The High Republic, 
High Republic, man. Let me take a second, take a sip. I'm talking too fast. I'm getting my tongue all twisted. Ah, first of all, for you guys out there in the chat, and if you're watching this later, listening to this later, how do you want, what would you prefer to see for Kira's story moving forward if it comes to fruition either in a TV show, movie, even the comics? You want to see right after the events of Solo, like I mentioned, that battle between the crime syndicates? Do you want a separate story of just Kira and Maul dealing with Crimson Dawn and maybe Landoff with whatever he's doing? And of course, there's still Enfys Ness out there with all the co-option co-axiom that she stole from Crimson Dawn. Maybe that's your story. What would you like to see Kira's story be moving forward? And that's gonna be very interesting. All right, but Let's keep going. High Republic, High Republic. Those now, they're mean, they're a menace. And one of their own is getting its own story. But our friend, not friend of ours, but one of those writers that we just mentioned. And it's, we got the cover reveal for the High Republic Tempest Runner, which brings one of the Tempest Runners herself, Lorna D, that Twilight Nile. Oh man, Lorna D, don't mess with Lorna D. So the cover review for, sorry, audiobook by Kevin Scott following now member and Tempest Runner herself, Lorna D. There's a synopsis that came out with this cover reveal. I didn't read it because I haven't finished The Rising Storm. And I don't know if anything that happens in The Rising Storm is gonna then get mentioned in, in Lorna D's audiobook. So I didn't want to get spoiled. So once we, and I read something that's, I read the first sentence and it did spoil me something I won't say here. So I stopped reading. But once we get more information about it, then we'll make sure to discuss it. But Lorna D is one of those characters that made a huge impact in the High Republic fans. She was introduced in Light of the Jedi as one of the three Tempest Runner, Kassav. Thanks, Kassav, thanks for your service, he's gone. Uh, we have Panayera that didn't do a lot in Light of the Jedi. He's doing more in The Rising Storm. But Lorna D was the uh, standout. She was working right there with Martian Rowe. So she's getting her own audiobook. And who else but Kevin Scott? Kevin Scott did the audiobook for Dooku Jedi Lost. He's written a lot of Star Wars comic books, did The Rising Storm, and now he's doing this other audiobook for Lorna D. Very interested to see where this is gonna go. Again, another book focusing or from the point of view of quote unquote, the villains. Now, a lot of people out there don't think of them, of the now as the villains. They're not good, but they might have a point. We'll see by the end of the rising storm. But it's going to be very interesting to see where Lorna D's story goes in this audiobook by Kevin Scott. Kevin Scott is great on Twitter. He's very engaging with the fans. So he's a great writer. I can't wait to see what Lorna D's story. And uh, we have Dale saying that Kira as a real villain with a heart will be a good movie. And again, it's though all these villains, Martian Rowe, he's a villain. He's killing people. He's not the good guy. But he might have a point to what he's saying. And we're getting a lot of those in Star Wars. Those villains, I'm gonna use the word that I don't like because people out there use it just because they think it makes them sound smarter. And I don't think they use it always in the way it should be intended, but it's nuance, right? People always like those nuanced characters. 
or I mean nuanced villains or villains with layers. As we used to say before, they have layers in them. The new word is nuance. Ah, so yeah, Lorna D, you wanna see more about Lorna D? It's weird at the same time that it's not a story about Martian Rowe, it's one of his top lieutenants, one of his Tempest runners that's getting this side story. So it's, it's gonna be interesting. All right, so let's move on to, we'll do this as a two-part. There's not a lot of story into it, in it, but we'll talk about it anyways. And it is that Rogue Squadron has found its writer in Matthew Robinson and also Loki's showrunner, Michael Waldron, is going to be writing the Feige, Kevin Feige Star Wars. But let's start with Rogue Squadron. So we talked about Rogue Squadron a little bit at the beginning. This is the movie, the next Star Wars movie directed by the great Patty Jenkins. We'll see how this goes. She says she's always wanted to write a kind of air battle, Top Gun type of movie. What better to do with Star Wars? We got the reveal of Rogue Squadron also in that December investor call. And there's Rogue Squadron books, I believe, and a video game. But this is from the original trilogy timeline. We have no idea if this is going to follow those. Is this going to be a completely new story? Is it going to be after the events of the sequel trilogy? Who knows? There's an X-Wing. A lot of people start try breaking down what type of X-Wing that is. Looks like a sequel trilogy, X-Wing. I don't know. Matthew Robinson, get to writing, and we'll find out. Get to writing, as it says there. But Matthew Robinson, writer of The Invention of Line and Love and Monster, and Dora and the Lost City of Gold, which is, I know it's Dora, but I watched it with my kids. It's a good story, a good Indiana Jones type uh, adventure story for a younger fan base. So I, th I think he is, he is a good writer and we'll see how this come out. He will be writing the script for of the Patty Jenkins directing, directed Rose Squadron. Oh, this is cool that a lot of people, I haven't seen this out there, but he's also writing Die, Repeat and Repeat, which is the sequel to the Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt movie, Edge of Tomorrow. So again, he's got a good background writing all these movies, which gonna be very interesting what Matthew Robinson brings to it. And like I mentioned, it's scheduled to begin shooting early, or I don't know if it's early or not, but scheduled to be begin shooting in 2022. And also it is that Kevin Feige Star Wars, and this is something that I, I was lost. I thought that Kevin Feige Star Wars was just a rumor that was not going to happen. But it was revealed that Michael Waldron, who's the showrunner and head writer of the MCU's Loki, which is great so far, has been named writer of the untitled Kevin Feige Star Wars movie, according to an interview the writer gave to GQ Magazine or GQ.com to GQ. So like I said, I thought the Kevin Feige Star Wars was just a rumor, wasn't confirmed by Lucasfilm or Disney or by Kevin. And now, yeah, he has a writer. So is he producing? Is he just getting talent together? Again, I guess that's what a producer does. I don't know. But if you like Loki, if you like what the MCU is doing recently with all the three shows and the direction, there's a lot of character development in all these shows, especially Loki, this last episode, very interesting, the previous one also. So what can Michael Waldron bring to Star Wars with Kevin Feige in the background? We'll see. Um, what do you guys think? Are you interested? I mean, I mean I'm sure we're all interested in uh, Kevin Feige having some sort of handle in Star Wars. 
he's done great with the MCU, say what you want, but I think he's done great with the MCU 10, 15 years, all these stories connected, the new Disney Plus series are doing great, and uh, Loki is also very, a different take on the character and the MCU in gener general. But there's so many things going on with Star Wars right now. Okay, we have the Patty Jenkins Rogue Squadron filming next year, so that will come out in 2023, most likely. We have Taika Waititi's Star Wars, that so we know nothing about, but I think he said that's going to be his next project. And then still the Ryan Johnson trilogy, if that ever happens, excuse me, plus now the Kevin Feige Star Wars, that's at least four movies. If you do that trilogy, now we're up to six. Yeah, six Star Wars movies. 2035, who knows when all this is going to happen, but there's a writer, so that means it's right there. So maybe it's Rogue Squadron first, then Tycast, and then the Michael Waldron, Kevin Feige movie. So again, if you look, Star Wars, people like to say it's the golden age of Star Wars. Some people say it's the OT or whatever. But if you're interested in Star Wars, there's 20 different things for you to choose right now. Bad Batch, we're just going to go and talk about why I'm having an ups and down with it. It doesn't matter. I have the High Republic. If that's not it, then we have all the, the Acolyte and Andor and Book of Boba Fett and Mandalorian Season 3 and now all these movies. There's so much Star Wars, different type of Star Wars coming down the pipeline from now till at least five or six years down the line that there has to be something that something that appeals to you guys out there. If you didn't like the sequel trilogy, okay, that's fine. Did you write Rogue One? Then here's Solo. I mean, here's the Andor series. You just like Mandalorian, then we have Book of Boba Fett by the same people. You like Clone Wars, Rebels, Bad Batch is coming. Now we have Visions and then a bunch of other stuff out there. So it's going to be very interesting for the future of Star Wars. For people to keep complaining, saying that Disney has ruined Star Wars and done bad with Lucasfilm after they bought it from George Lucas. George Lucas sold it sold it i'm sorry he can complain all he wants now if he has i know some people would like to pull quotes you sold the companies up to them to do what they want with it but there's so much star wars out there that even if you hated the sequel trilogy there's 20 other things to get your interest and if you don't like any of it and that's fine then just watch whatever you like and just focus on that instead of getting all tipsy about it all right, so our friend Otis talking about Kevin Feige, Star Wars, you mean Guardians of the Galaxy? Tutons. No jokes. I'm interested in the project, but I'm not even thinking about it ever. I, I'm not thinking about it. That's why. And let's start with Guardians of the Galaxy. I mentioned this before. I don't remember. I think it was when I talked about Force Awakens way back when. It was when Disney purchased Lucasfilm and they said, yeah, we have a new Star Wars movie coming out. A few a year or so before Phantom Man, I mean the Force Awakens came out, Guardians of the Galaxy came out. And I remember seeing Guardians and loving Guardians in the movie theater, this new space opera movie, just adventure. I loved it. And I remember coming out of it saying, I have no idea if Star Wars will be captured what it and compete with something like Guardians of the Galaxy. And I was really scared for the for the Force Awakens after seeing Guardians of the Galaxy. Force Awakens came out, blew it out of the park for me. My second favorite Star Wars out there. So I do get what you're saying, Audi. Guys from the Galaxy is kind of that MCU version of Star Wars. 
So we'll see what this new one with Kevin Feige is about and how he brings what he's learned from doing all those MCU movies. And I mean, MCU is now used about space. The last couple of movies, everything was in space. Now it's this multiverse. So we'll see. But yeah, it does feel a little bit similar. At the same time, I don't think about this movie ever. It caught me by surprise when this report came out. All right, so that's it for the Star Wars news in June. I think, again, a lot of different news items, nothing that by itself deserves a whole show, but doing this kind of compilations of all the news at the end of the month, I think it's, it's going to be good. We're going to go with it for, for a little bit. And I think with that, let's talk some Bad Batch. Let's talk, do some Bad Batch review. The Bad Batch review. Ah, so the first, we talked about this a little bit last week. I just did a little talk about it. Again, I'll show it on Saturdays. Bad Batch comes out on Friday. So it's, we should always talk about it a little bit, at least a couple of minutes. But last week, we talked very briefly. We'll spend more time today talking about episode nine of the Bad Batch called Bounty Lost. Look at that. With our friend, the return of Fennec Shan going toe-to-toe with the man, Cat Bane. So two weeks before, we had the return of Cat Bane, which blew everyone out the, the window. Is that the saying? Blew us out the window, blew the door open. Cat Bane came back. And we all lost our cowboy hats, if you want to, if I can say so myself. And then he grabbed, he took Omega with him, and then he's going to return him, return her to someone. We didn't know. He just took Omega, but Bash has to go after her. So here in episode nine, Bounty Loss, we found out who he's taking Omega to. And it is those Kaminoans, Lama Su and Ton Wee, want Omega to extract her DNA and then terminate her. They hired Cat, they hired Cat Bane, which is was news to us, because a few episodes before, I think it was Nala Say or someone, or even maybe it was Tom Wee or Lamas. I don't know. One of them had said that they had sent bounty hunters out there to to get Cat Bane, and we thought, at least I thought, oh, that's Fennec Shan. Fennec Shan was talking to someone after that first episode. I thought. It was going to be Boba Fett. And then when Cat Bane came out two weeks ago, I thought, oh, maybe she was talking to Cat Bane. They're all just working together. But once Cat Bane took Omega, then I thought, and we mentioned it that week, that maybe this is very similar to the book, to War of the Bounty Hunters, where they're all trying to get Han Solo from Boba. So here I thought, oh, it might be the same thing. Cat Bane has Omega. Now he's going to have all these bounty hunters after him to, to cast, get the prize. And it did happen sort of this week with the return of Fennec Shand. Mingna Wen does a great job with this character. But we also learned that Lama Su and Ton we were the ones that hired Cat Bane because they just want to get that DNA. It was, uh, we mentioned last week, everyone knows by now, because Omega is this last unaltered clone, unaltered clone for Django Fett, and they need that pure DNA to keep doing clones. My guess is since the Empire has wants nothing to do with clones, they're saying that that DNA has gotten diluted with a new batch. So she's the one with the last kind of pure DNA. 
And they probably want that to make better clones out there to try to sell to the Empire or maybe to build their own army, knowing that the Empire is going to probably say bye to Kaminoans very, very soon. But then we saw Nala say, which is this other Kaminoan that has always been there with Omega. She's the one that hired Fennec Shan, which then throws a wrench into it because she doesn't want to kill Omega. And then by the end of the episode, she tells Fennec Shan, don't bring her here. If you get her, keep her away. The bad batch, because Fennec Shan tells her, yeah, the bounty hunter doesn't have her anymore. She was saved by the same clones that I met on Pantora. Do you want me to go after them? No, don't worry, just keep her away. So we see say has a totally different agenda than Lama Su and Tom Wee. Tom Wee, unfortunately, again, thank you for your service, killed. Justice for Tom Wee should have died on screen. What happened? Why couldn't we see Fennec Shan in cold blood kill our friend Tom Wee? Deserve better. Is that Tom Wee's death the same as all the death in The Last Jedi that were off screen when the that shuttle exploded. Should, should, did she deserve better? I don't know. But we go to this clone planet, the planet of Boravio, which is where this offsite of clones. And I really enjoyed this planet. I mean, we've always said that the animation in Bad Batch is top notch. Even if we didn't enjoy the show too much, the animation is great. But seeing this planet of Boravio, and it's the same design as Camino, but just in the air. So it's this combination of Bespin and Camino, but instead of being underwater, all these buildings, they're just floating with all this dust, all this dust and smoke and whatever, and clouds gave a really eerie atmosphere for what was going to happen on the show, on the episode. So basically we have Cat Bane takes Omega to Boravio to give to Tonwi, get paid and be done with it. Tonwi's dead. Fennec Shan shows up, and then they have this great battle going toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Again, great action. Omega is just running, trying to save herself. And by the end, she's saved by the Bad Patch because she was able to relay her location. They saved her, and they just hightail it. They don't care about Cat Bane or Fennec Shan. They just whoop, go out of there. So again, a good episode. It didn't do a lot for me, actually. I did enjoy the first episode better, the previous episode better, because we had the return of Crosshair, the return of the Empire, which is what I really enjoyed from this show. And then Cat Bane came in, and that standoff with Hunter was great. And then the battle this week between Hunter and Fennec Shan was interesting. I think that Bad Bash got Omega back too quickly. It was too easy for them to find her and just, oh, yeah, just turn up a reel and we can see where you are, even if you're light years away. They got there in about 20 minutes. I don't know if they had to go to hyperspace or whatever. They got there pretty quickly. Then again, Cat Bane had just take her, taken her. She he couldn't be too far. But I think they found her too easy. But anyway, so good episode. And the big reveal at the end was Omega finding out that she's this unaltered clone from Django Fett. They mentioned Alpha, who's AKA Boba Fett. So everyone then went into a TCR, Boba Fett and Omega going to meet. What would have happened if Boba Fett knew he had a sister? So we'll see. And then of course is, and we made a quick mention of it, that controversy or some people talking about the whitewashing of the Bad Batch. How can Omega be the, this unaltered clone of Django Fett if they're using his DNA to then be this light-skinned blonde girl 
I don't know. It's Star Wars. Some people say it's just Star Wars. Forget about it. Other people were talking more about representation and what that all means. Will it be explained? We'll have to wait and find out. So what did you guys think about last week's episode, Bounty Lost? Did it hit all the notes for you? Are you starting to drop off a little bit on the Bad Batch or are you still riding that high that you're seeing what you want to see? Let me know. As always, comments, chat, Twitter. Let me know what you're saying. Uh, Dale is adding, you have to watch Star Wars Santa's reaction to Cap Ben Shabila on the watch along he did. I'll get into that. And then, yeah, Tom Wee, dead. Tom Wee, dead, dead. And that, Tom Wee, he says in Attack of the Clone. Tom Wee's here. I love that scene. For some reason, I always remember Boba Fett opening the door in Attack of the Clones. Tom Wee's there with Obi-Wan. He's like, Dad, Tom Wee's here. Not anymore. What would happen if Boba Fett? He, we know by Mando season two that him and Fennec Shan are working together. And I've kind of assumed that they worked together before. What if Boba Fett finds out that Fennec Shan killed Ton Wee and he has some, he had some connection to Ton Wee and has to deal with it? Probably not. Boba Fett doesn't care. At that point, he doesn't care. All right. But then this week, yesterday, which again, we're covering everything happening in June. Yesterday, yesterday was July 2nd, so this really doesn't fall into our June kind of month in review, but we have to talk about it anyways. It just happened yesterday. We should talk about it. It was episode 10 of the Bad Batch, Common Ground, where we go back to Raxus, the Separatist capital during the Clone War. So seeing Raxus and seeing all the planets from the Clone Wars is always great. We get to revisit places that we're familiar with, just see them in a new light. Love seeing those 80, what is it? 80, 80, not 80, 80 TTs or whatever those tanks are called, which are really awesome from the Clone Wars, those armored tanks. But we have the Bad Batch, they just got Omega, they go back to Ortmantel, to Seeds, they just wanna lay low. Hunter is, hey, we've been through too much, we need to lay low, if not for us, for her. Omega's been through too much, she just got kidnapped, let's take it easy. But Sid is like, dude, you owe me money, you haven't paid, so there's another job here for you. And what's the job? It's saving the senator from Raxus, Mr. Monaco himself, Avi Singh, from the Empire. So the Empire has made it to Raxus, which we mentioned is, used to be the capital of the Separatists, which were the antagonists during the Clone Wars. And now that the Empire is in control, they're taking over all the Separatist worlds. And even though this Imperial is saying, oh, we just want to bring you guys into the fold, everything's gonna be fine. We know the Empire doesn't, doesn't work that way. And Raxus being the capital, the main Separatist home planet, basically, I'm sure they have big plans for it. The people don't want it. The Senator don't, doesn't want it. He has to do what's right for his people. And when he says, I don't want this, don't join the Empire, we gotta fight for ourselves. They take him prisoner, but he tells his droid, hey, send a message and just do as I tell you. And who gets the message? Sid. I don't know who Sid is. She has all these contacts. She knew the Jedi. She now deals with the Bad Batch. She knew Fennec Shan. She knows everyone. And now this senator is contacting her. So Sid has all these connections out there. We got to figure out what she knows. But then... So a thing that was pretty exciting to see, like I said before with the previous episode or two episodes before, was the return of the Empire. 
And we see that's straight on here in common ground. So what I've been really interested in with the Bad Batch has been the growth of the empire, that empire kind of spreading throughout the galaxy. That's why I love every time that Crosshair shows up with the new clone troopers or the new stormtroopers trying to follow, get the Bad Batch and get that done with. That's what really is engaging me. And we saw a lot of that in the first couple of episodes. So now seeing the empire on another planet and from another perspective is not crosshairs with his specialized squadron is Imperials going to planet overtake and it's another aspect that by the time we meet them in the real trilogy is already full on so that's an interesting part this episode is just a, it's a fun 25 minutes episode doesn't add a lot to the story there's always some and I felt very much like a rebels episode where they would self a senator a governor from Lothal that at the end will be part of the rebellion or helping the at least the revolution of that planet so i see this very similar to they're saving abby singh and then he's gonna play some part down the road down the road gathering others to the cause that's the way i see it we have a cool battle with the troopers and the bad batch a cool escape scene in the armored tanks and then you kind of just walk out one thing that we've talked about before how easy it is for people to see the bad batch i know who they are they have this black armor with all that painting but they have their havoc maraudership going into a planet a separatist planet which they don't want to go to especially echo because he's been there and tech don't talk back to my guy echo tech gonna get in trouble we're coming for you tech for mouth mouthing echo talking back to him yeah how many times do you need to say he's a separate we don't care echo can say it how many times he wants <sighs> okay i got that out of my system but they have this very distinct starship going into an empire control ex separatist planet and they just let it through because it had a code doesn't the empire know how easy it is to forge codes especially for a ship that they're looking for oh yeah it's another one of those havoc marauders that everyone has come on dudes be a little better but we know that the empire doesn't i don't know if you have the codes you're fine but uh i guess the big thing apart from Avi seeing getting safe and i think it's gonna have some something a role to play down the line it was omega she was left behind hunter said stay here people are, are after you we don't want you in harms to put you into harm's way and then she felt left out that she's not contributing to the team by the end of it she's playing the jaric winning all these bets is able to play off that depth that they had with sid excuse me and then hunter said says okay so if you can beat me in this game we won't leave you behind anymore which I get, it's part of the story, they can't be leaving her behind. But on a practical sense, and it might be, again, this is a TV show, we gotta go with it. From a practical sense, from, from me, which is maybe because I there's some parts of the show that I'm not enjoying, is why? Why are you taking an 11 to 14 year old child to all these dangerous situations? She's been kidnapped twice because Fennec Shan took her on Pantora, now she was taken by Cat Bane, almost taken a Bane by Fennec Shan. Why do you keep taking her to these dangerous situations? This is real life, and your daughter has been kidnapped three times, so there's people after her. 
you won't say, yeah, okay, let's keep going on dangerous mission. You'll say, we got to find you a safe house somewhere. Sid is pretty good. Stay here for a while. But again, it's a TV show. We have to keep going. Ah, so that was it for the Bad Batch. You think we'll see Avi Singh again? I think we'll see him down the line. Maybe out of background with some other senators or something talking about maybe he's there with uh, Senator Ghana. We'll see. We'll see what happens. So Bad Batch, episode 10, common ground last week or yesterday, I should say. So we only have six more episodes of the Bad Batch. We're over that hump of that, that halfway hump. We'll see. We still don't know if there's going to be a second season. I think so. And are you guys enjoying the Bad Batch? How are you loving it? Have you gone up and down like I have? Have you ever been riding this high with the Bad Batch? Have your expectations been met? Let us know. Let us know what you're hoping to see in the second half. And I don't know. Like I said, I've been up and down with the with the season. I still, the main story is it them keeping Omega safe? Is it how they traverse through this growing empire? Is it the empire growing and crosser after this? I don't know. I still don't know what this, I mean, I know what the show is about. This family, this Bad Batch group of gruff clones having to change the way they function in this galaxy, taking care of this child. But this is very similar to the Mandalorian. Again, the Mando coming out of the empire falling, doing all these odd jobs, meets the child, Grogu, and they have to change his way of view, the way he sees the Mandalorians themselves and all that stuff. It's very similar, but geared, I guess, to a younger, to a younger audience. And I know a lot of people say, oh, the growth, the character arc, the character growth in each episode. This might get me in trouble. I haven't seen a lot of character growth since the first like three episodes because that's something that happened very quick i think it was how everyone in the bad batch accepted omega and the role she plays for mando it took by the end of season one basically is when he said okay i gotta do everything for this kid and even in season two he's still trying to take her take him to the jedi or whatever here in bad batch by episode two they said okay you're coming with us you're part of the batch and you always be with us and everyone has always treated her that way except for crosser of course and we saw the change in the group in the first two three maybe four episodes mainly between hunter omega and of course wrecker and omega which i see more as a brother relationship almost cousins when hunter is supposed to be the father figure i haven't seen a lot of that after the first few episodes he really i don't know i don't know again it's a good series animation is great the music is great a lot of people are enjoying that interaction between all the members i'm kind of up and down with it so we'll see how it goes hopefully it sells me on it again so bounty hunters with kids and the bad batch six more episodes we'll see so that's it that's it for our show so monthly review a great episode today just kind of reviewing everything that has happened this last 30 days. So you're saying, Dale, maybe we got to enjoy the calm before this storm will pick up again. Again, last week was all out. The last, the previous two weeks were all action. The one with Cat Bane and with Crosser going after them, all action for 30 minutes. Last episode, mostly all action. So yes, we do need that kind of calm before this storm, that lull. I didn't mind it. It was a good episode. 
I'm not saying it's not. It's just the main story, I guess, of the series. I'm not 100% sold on it. Again, thanks to ATTEs, Armored Tank, Armored Trooper Tanks, Armored Tanks, Trooper Extractions. I don't know. Oh, you think? Come on, Dale, you made me say it before. All right. Anyway, so that's it for our show today. Thank you. Dale, thank you, Oti, thank you, Mr. Rez, for being here with us today. Anyone else out there in the live, live stream that didn't get a chance to talk in the chat, thank you for joining us. Join us next week. Like I said, with Rachel, we're going to be discussing Rebel Rising, talking about Rogue One, talking about Gina. So it's going to be a great show. Thank you, Dale, as always, for being here. Two weeks from now, on the 17th, we have Maggie, we have Arsu, we're talking the writing storm. Martian Road, Jedi's having relationship with everyone. It's gonna be great. That Rising Storm, Kevin Scott. I have so much out there to talk about. So join us next week. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you guys for listening later in the replay. Stay safe. Be safe. And may the force be with you. Radio.